You're listening to Builder Funnel Radio. This is the Building a Family Business Show with Wes and Brooks Powell. Let's dive in. The Powell family construction business has been around for over 110 years. Over that time, it's evolved and been through four generations of the Powell family. What started as a new construction business building spec homes in the Seattle area evolved to building communities, remodeling, building custom homes, and then getting involved with property management. Today, the business currently owns and operates two retirement and assisted living facilities, several apartment buildings, and does third-party property management in the Seattle area with about 750 total doors under management. Over the last several decades, Wes and Brooks have seen it all when it comes to business evolution, family dynamics in the construction industry. This is the show where I work to extract their knowledge and experiences to help you navigate family dynamics, among other things, in your construction business. Let's dive into the show. Happy clients, more profits, less stress. That's the trifecta of the construction business. We all want that, right? Well, after working and talking with hundreds of builders and remodelers over the past two years, BuildBook has discovered the one common ingredient that determines the success of your construction business, the client experience. Yes, if you drop the ball anywhere in the client experience from the first impression to the final payment, things get super messy super quickly. BuildBook has spent the past several months developing the first-of-its-kind platform that focuses on helping you deliver throughout the client journey the one thing standing between you and achieving the trifecta of construction. It starts with marketing tools to attract the right leads, add in sales tools so you can win the best projects, and finish with project tools that knock your client's socks off. If you're looking for an unfair advantage in your business, this is it. Head on over to buildbook.co now to try it free for yourself. That's buildbook.co. All right, let's get back to the show. Hey, and welcome back to Building a Family Business here on Builder Funnel Radio. And welcome to 2021. Brooks, Wes, how are you guys today? I'm pumped up. <laughs> nice. I know I should have. I, I teed you guys up for a nice, awkward silence there. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So, uh, but I think I'm doing fine. And I, I imagine Brooks is too. Yeah. Well, Brooks is pumped. So. I'm pumped yeah. up. Yeah. I'm doing Brooks, good, Yeah. Why, why are you pumped? Did you do some fun stuff over the holidays? Did some fun stuff over the holidays. Went up to uh, our cabin and did a bunch of skiing and some cross-country skiing. We got a new puppy a couple weeks ago, so we're enjoying that. Little Australian Shepherd, Tilly. So what was the name? Tilly. T-I-L-L-Y. So Tilly is super cute. Probably the cutest puppy ever known. Probably. Yeah. No, to me. That's right. I, oh, that's good to know. I thought it was T-I-L-L-I-E. So that's the way. Oh, it's with a Y. So any gifts you send to her, please. <laughs> You know, any, any monogram thing. Yeah. Make sure you spell that. That I can send to her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the unfortunate thing, I just wanted to pass this on to our listeners is that, you know, whenever you buy a Chevrolet product, always buy the extended warranty. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so perhaps you're driving a Chevrolet Suburban 1500 that has just under 60,000 miles, perhaps take it to the dealer and have them look at that transmission before it breaks on you while you're driving to the mountain in a snowstorm. But that's for another day. <laughs> well, probably part of my 2021 goals that I'll share later. 
<laughs> so that I can tell was the fun part of the holidays. <laughs> the fun part of the holidays. Yeah. yeah. See, regular detective over here. Well, it's yeah. really uh, yeah. fun until it's not. Until <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, cool. I'm glad you're uh, having fun with Tilly. We won't talk about, I don't know what your suburban's name is, but we won't talk yeah. about it. Well, the name is not able to be sh- shared on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mostly four, four letter names. Four letter names. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a rated R show, so you're you're welcome to share those names. Yeah. Probably. I have to check the box every time when I'm uploading it. You know, I was like, yes, there's cursing in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, Hide the children. <laughs> Wes, how about you? What did you uh, do over the holidays? Anything? Well, it was, it was an interesting holiday, and I'll probably leave it at that. Uh, but uh, we did we did have overall a nice time. The weather was you know good for a couple of weeks. It's usually good here in Colorado, so the sun was out. Beautiful day on Christmas Day. And so, oh, no, good. But, you know, I, for some reason, and Brooks will certainly attest to this, I always become... I've gotten better over the years, Mr. Grumpy at the holidays. <laughs> so, you always have been kind of grumpy. Yeah, right. I, I think yeah. I've overcome that now. And uh, but I'm most excited about the new year and excited about the fresh start and all of that. Where I think lots of times the end of the year, you know, we're being grateful for everything that's happened in our lives. It's positive, and, which is great. But then I always like that fresh start feeling of the new year. Is that why you think you were grumpy? Is because you weren't to the fresh start yet or no, I was just a grumpy little kid. You know? I just, <laughs> I was just not pleasant to be around, you know? So I have no idea why that was probably a lot of self pity involved. <laughs> and yeah, based on Brooks's silence, I'll, I'll assume that's agreement by <laughs> saying nothing. <laughs> well, really Brooks was the reason for my yeah. self pity. <laughs> It used to be all about West till I showed up. And then, yeah. That's right. I'm like, oh my God, who's this? The interloper. <laughs> I had a five-year run. It was pretty good. <laughs> Things were going just my way. You know, I go off to kindergarten and all of a sudden another little brother shows up. That's a problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't leave the house. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I was there so you could step on my back so you could climb into the bus. <laughs> 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 that's teamwork at its finest right there <laughs> well Wes you said you like the the fresh starts we also mentioned you know gratitude at the end of the year do you have kind of a process that you use for wrapping up a year and heading into the new year uh, you know I like Trello a lot since Trello came along and so I try to write down the things that I'm grateful for over the past year and I think especially this last year I've really Try to take more of a, you know, attitude of gratitude or, or whatever it is and, and taking time to really think through all the wonderful things that we do have to be grateful for, you know, because I think it's human nature to focus on the negative. That's really what keeps us alive. <laughs> Lots of times it's focusing on the negative. Really, I mean, as, as a hunter gatherer, you know, like, well, it's a nice day. I'm going to pay attention to tulips or am I going to pay attention to the saber-toothed tiger that's about to decimate me? So I think as humans, we tend to be wired to watch out for negative things and focus on negative things. And so you have to consciously go, Oh, here's all the stuff I'm really grateful for, you know, grateful to live in this wonderful country and grateful for my family and, you know, all the things that grateful for good health. And, and then when you are grateful, I think then you can turn around and 
that opens you up a little bit more to, to helping others because you realize, oh, you know, truly have been blessed. And maybe there's some ways that you can reach out and help other people that are maybe struggling. Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, I've noticed too, since just putting more focus on gratitude, you just tend to, I don't know, more opportunities come up, more yeah. good things happen. And I think it's just like you said, if you focus on the negative, you kind of see it. If you focus on the positive, you start to, to see that too. Do you do anything around like reflecting on goals you set, you know, at the beginning of that past year or milestones or anything like that as you're like preparing to figure out what you're going to do in, in the next year? Well, definitely, you know, if you've made a list, then you go back and you pull out the list, you go, oh, that's what I said at the beginning of last year. But I think the interesting thing about just writing things down, and of course, it becomes more powerful if you revisit the list, but just even writing them down, you will oftentimes come back to that list and go, oh, okay, you know, I got 70% of that stuff done just by identifying it. And then that kind of, I think, works down into your subconscious and you just start grinding away on it. You can certainly do up your percentages by pulling the list out and reviewing it on a regular basis, right? That, that's helpful. <laughs> I know. I feel like I learned that I started doing lists. It was right out of college and I started writing down goals for the year. And I would do that. So I'd just get out a sheet of paper, write everything down, and then I just put it in a drawer. And I literally wouldn't look at it all year. But then at the end of the year, I'd go, oh, I got half the stuff done. And I never looked at it. Yeah. Imagine if I actually looked at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think there's, I mean, we'll get into it, I'm sure. But I think over the years, I've realized from a lot of goal setting that where you don't don't achieve the goals, I think there's some other things that you got to attach on to the whole goal setting thing to, to make it work. I don't know, Brooks, yeah. not about you. I know you're a goal setter. Yeah, Brooks, what's your process? So our process, you know, say our, because Heather and I, do our goals together. So we have a spreadsheet, believe it or not. So we're not on Trello, uh, but we use Excel. And so we'll put in, we'll sit down together at the end of the year. We'll go through and put all of our goals for the year. So it could be, you know, health, wellness, financial, travel, yard projects, whatever we're working on, things, new things we want to learn, you know, things like that. So we'll, we'll put those in just kind of side by side. Then we go back to it about once a quarter and go through it and say, okay, well, how are we doing on our list? Is anything changed? Anything that, you know, because sometimes you'll put something on your list and you'll be like, you know, three months later, like, yeah, I really wasn't that interested in doing that. And, and then being honest about it, am I taking it off because I'm afraid to do it or am I just taking it off because, you know, I really wasn't that interested in it. So that's how we approach our kind of our, all of our personal goals. And then we, roll into that our business goals, which are what are we trying to do with the business, you know, with our, our rental properties. And when we were operating our businesses, we would do that goal setting as a you know ownership group. And you kind of get into October, November, start doing your business planning and then setting your goals for the next year. So you roll out of the year before you leave for the holidays, you already know what you're doing in 2021. And probably you've started to enact some of that in late November, early December to start making that happen. And then we just reviewed those goals weekly or monthly or quarterly as needed as an ownership team. And it was on the, you know, on the steering committee agenda. Hey, where are we, where are we on our goals? Are they still valid? You know, are they not valid? What do we need to adapt? Like this last year, 2020 would have been if you'd sat down in the you know, in March, <laughs> hey, how are we doing on our goals? It's like, well, we're throwing those all out and we're going to these new goals are, you know, based around the pandemic. Yeah. 
I like that, I guess, nuance to the system of one, reviewing the goals and then identifying, is this something you still care about or are interested in? Or because sometimes you do put those things on the list. You're like, this sounds good when you're kind of sitting there writing down all this fun stuff that you could do in the year. But I think you made a good point in there, which is, are you afraid to go after this or do you think you're not going to achieve it? And so you're just going to pull it off, you know, so you can check all your boxes or are you pulling it off? Cause you actually really just are like, yeah, this isn't important anymore. And then, yeah, it allows you to adapt. If you actually review those quarterly and say a pandemic hits, then you can go, okay, yeah, we need to shift this and things may look differently. And that's more of a reality based decision. It sounds like, you know, Do you find that when you were using this process, did you ever track, like, did you, do you always hit all of your goals, you know, if you're tracking on them quarterly and that sort of thing? We would really try very, be really diligent about hitting all of our business financial goals to make sure, because that really then drives the other things we get to do personally. And you're going to hit some of them. You're not going to, you know, we're very diligent about that. You know, some years for Heather and I, we've been better about hitting more of our goals than others. And it depends on, I think sometimes if the business was taking up more time or, you know, the kids were taking up more time, you know, you're going to put your personal goals are going to drop lower as you're, because number one, you've got to make sure you're making money so you can, you know, provide for your family. And then your kids are growing. So you're trying to make sure that they're, they're moving through time pretty quickly. So you want to make sure you're helping them out as they're moving along. And so sometimes you, yeah, your goals might drop to like, Oh, I got, 30% 30% of my goals or something, you know, but we always put exercise and, and health kind of well-being up pretty high. So those things would happen regardless. You know, if we didn't rebuild a back corner of the yard, yeah, who cares? You know, we do that next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the, one of the things that I've found to be helpful because I same sort of thing, you know, in business, you set a lot of goals and I do that every year. Okay. Let's do our budget for the next year. And, we're going to grow sales by 10%, you know, and okay. 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 But no plan right. or system around that. And I, I think what really has helped me a lot in achieving goals is instead, you know, you might go, oh, I have a goal. Maybe it's, oh, I want to lose 30 pounds or I want to do something else, you know. Well, that's the goal. But until you do that, you know, every day that you haven't lost the 30 pounds, you're not successful. Right. So, you know, you're only successful when you hit the 30 pounds and then you're successful for about a minute and then you move on to not being successful again. So I think it's much more effective to look at the system and maybe, you know, that's what Brooks was referring to around exercise. Let's just use that as an example or, well, I'll give you, well, actually I'll give you an example around our mortgage. So it's one of those things you always think, oh, it'd be great to have the mortgage paid off. You know, and years would go by decades, and you know, you refinance and <laughs> bump your mortgage back up, depending on what's going on in the business, you know, things are down or up. And at some point, I think I'd read uh, The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Jeff Olson. Yeah. And just that idea of putting a system in place and doing incremental activities that you can actually do. And then, so I said, well, sure, I'd like to pay off my mortgage, but what I really should do is install a system for making extra payments on my mortgage. You know, and that's how I'll be successful. As long as I make extra, an extra contribution to the mortgage every month, then that's how I'll gauge my success. I paid off the mortgage in three years. 
but I didn't really concentrate on, oh, I'm going to get it done in three years. I'm going to get it done in two or five. I just said, my system is to make an extra payment of some sort on the mortgage every month. And that system really worked, you know, or you can do it around food. Like uh, you guys tease me because I eat the same thing for breakfast, right? <laughs> let's see if uh, well, let's see. Well, let's do a quick pop quiz, Brooks. Okay. What is the breakfast? <laughs> uh, oatmeal with blueberries and six egg whites, something like that. Yeah, yeah that's pretty damn close. I think you missed uh, one egg with the egg whites. Yeah, yeah, six scrambled. egg whites and an egg uh, scrambled, and you know, cup and a half of oatmeal with blueberries. And I've been eating the same thing now for twelve years, right? But what I realized is that from a health or fitness system, if you're putting a system in place you know, by doing, by systematizing one third of my entire food intake, that's kind of locked down. So that makes the other stuff easier to handle. I don't ever have to think about breakfast. So I get up in the morning, I'm not thinking about what I eat for breakfast, what I wear or anything like that. You know, you pre-establish that when I'm going to exercise and that just kind of clears out your mind to think about other things. But by putting that, meal plan in place and sticking with it, it's helped me to, you know, keep my weight within a pretty tight margin year after year after year, which before I couldn't, you know, you go up 10 pounds and down 10 pounds, you know, up and down and up and down. So anyway, that's why I think the power of systems is, is pretty helpful. And also just freeing up your mind. If you have a system, yeah, I think Brooks, you probably wear the same thing every day, right? Practically, right? And I do too. And you know, because why bother? You know, I mean, if you don't have to think about what you're going to wear, you can think about something more important. What about the guy? Remember the, for, for what, what that huge executive was? They thought he only owned one suit because it wore the same suit every day. Yeah. Well, he, had, he had seven of the same suits <laughs> and he just rotated them and, you know, dry cleaned or whatever. But he didn't have to think about it because there's other things more important to think about than, you know, what shoes am I going to wear and what, you know, so. There's a reason Steve Jobs always wore a black t-shirt and, you know, blue jeans, you know, or, you know, turtleneck or whatever it was. But as his uniform, didn't have to think about it because he had a lot more other stuff to think about. And so if you're looking to free up your mind to work on bigger problems, then I always think it's good to look at all the stuff that you waste your time thinking about. Like, what do I eat? What do I wear? When do I work out? Am I going to work out? All those kinds of things, which if you can get those down to a base program and set them aside and not think about them, then you can just uh, cruise on, get some stuff done. Yeah, I find that, you know, kind of translating that back to your business example of, you know, hey, I want to grow by 10%, grow sales by 10%. And then it was just like, okay, we'll see what happens. You know, what what's the system behind that? Is it a certain number of phone calls? It is a certain exactly. number of marketing activities to generate the leads, but then you've got an activity that you can do in a system. And then you kind of, you almost live with the results, whatever that may be. And like you said, it might take three years. It might take one year, but obviously you can make adjustments. But if you do that, you're much more likely to actually get to that goal than just kind of writing down the 10% and going, okay. Yeah. And then, cause it's, it yeah, seems like it should work. You're like, hey, we'll grow. But then there's just nothing behind it. You know, and everyone right. keeps well, doing the same thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, you're doing it. You are doing the same thing. You're just expecting a different result, which is insanity. So the interesting thing is, is that if you took your goals and behind each goal, you put you said first, let's collect the goals, whatever they are. And obviously you don't want to have too many goals because that makes it pretty hard to accomplish them. And then you put down, put down what your 
strategies and tactics were to achieve the goal, it really becomes your, you know, your business plan it should support your business plan for the business and also should support your personal plan for your personal improvement or your you know, family well-being or what are the, whatever those things you're working on on the home front. But you have to have some kind of tactics to work on. Otherwise, you're like, yeah, well, I hope sales increase 10% this, you know, this week. Haven't done anything about it, but, you know. Right. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, picking that small activity that you know is the driver to get you to your goal and making the execution of that activity your success metric. Right. So now I'm, I'm successful because I actually, you know, went down and I put on my gym clothes and worked out for some amount of time. You know, whatever. It doesn't have to be a ticket. Maybe that's your success metric. I put on my gym clothes and went to the gym or I went down to the, the basement and, you know, got on the bike or whatever it was for no particular set period of time. But you'll find that, well, that's, that was successful. I got there. And then you want to do a little bit more and, you know, it kind of your success breeds more success and you do more. Uh, same thing with the sales metrics like Brooks was talking right. about. You know, like, yeah, hey, your sales metrics. Hey, I'm going to do, yeah, do 25 calls. That's my success metric and that's it. I read a book. I think it was, it was either late 2019 or, yeah, it must have been 2019 because we started implementing it at the beginning of last year. And it's called Four Disciplines of Execution, but it's talking about exactly what you guys are hitting on, which is you, you set this goal. But then you break it down to they call it, we break it down to leading indicators and lag lagging indicators and your lagging indicator is what we're all really good at saying hey grow ten percent well there's only a w- way to measure that after it happens and so you need something in the moment in the day in the week in the month to do and so those are the leading indicators so that's you know x number of sales calls it's getting on the the bike for four days a week for thirty minutes it's eating certain type of foods. Okay. I can check that box. And then they kind of talk about those as your strategic bets. So you're, you're saying, Hey, I think these will get me to the goal. Then when we actually get forward a quarter, I'm going to measure. And am I actually on track? And if not, do I just need to increase the amount? Maybe four times a week wasn't enough. It needs to be six, or maybe that's the wrong activity. So then you can make another strategic bet, try something different. But when we finally like shifted gears to that, you know, everything changed and everyone, especially within a company, if everyone's got a leading indicator, something that they're doing every week to work towards that same goal, man, that made a world of a difference. And it sounds like that's basically what you guys are described as like, hey, have this goal, but then break it down to a system or a task or an activity, something that you actually have control over. Is that Brooks kind of what you're Yeah, saying? absolutely. And that's a good point. Something you have control over. You know, if you're going to, depending on wherever you are in an organization, if you're not calling all the shots, but you've set some goals around your, the area you're working in, then set, you know, things for you to do that are, that are controllable by you that supports the overall endeavor of the company. Because if, if you're thinking, well, I need to think, you know, Bob over here needs to do this to achieve our goals, but you're never going to get Bob to do that. So work on the stuff that's within your sphere of influence and within your control. Hopefully that'll then support, you know, that'll be a building block for the rest of the company, whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. I'm kind of curious to hear from you. Like, how did you, you know, you said with your owner's group, you guys would set down, set all the goals, and then you'd check on them either weekly, monthly, quarterly. How did you get buy-in from other team members or share, you know, what goals did you share with the team and 
kind of like getting everyone rowing in the same direction? Well, we had some people who would row a different direction. Go and rogue. I'm taking my oar and I'm leaving. <laughs> so it was up to each business owner who had a different area that they ran. And so Heather ran the accounting division and Julie ran the d- design division and Todd ran production division. And I ran the you know, finance and kind of overall sales. And so everybody would take their work and then take it and, and work with their teams to try to accomplish, you know, those goals. And, you know, like any, it's always challenging, you know, depending on the ability of each manager to lead, you know, we had different levels of success, you know, at different times. So, and sometimes you'll have great team members that, that real everything's really clicking. And sometimes you're changing team members, you know, you don't have the right people in the right seats. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges of business, don't you think? What's what was good about your system with your leadership group is that you did have a leadership group. So from an accountability standpoint, I think accountability is is a good driver too to getting things done. I always found that if I'm only accountable to myself, it's pretty easy to move the goalposts, you know, closer <laughs> instead of further away or whatever it happens to be. It's kind of like you said, Spence, you know, you, oh, you erase the things on your list, you know, oh, why did I take that off? Because uh, I couldn't do it or it was too hard or whatever. I just, yeah. Uh, so I think if you don't have, like Brooks said, where you get co-owners to help hold each other accountable, because you're all working in different areas, then try to find somebody that will help you or step into that role as an accountability buddy that can do that for you. And it could be a good friend. It could be a mentor. It could be a coach, though that's always tough because you're paying them. So if you don't like the fact they're holding you accountable, you can always fire them. So that <laughs> I'm sure that's why many coaches get fired. <laughs> because like, they're actually I, doing their job. I'm, yeah. holding me accountable. <laughs> I'm getting tired of this. <laughs> and so anyway, I, but I think that's a helpful strategy to, to have somebody know what your goals are and task you with it. You know, or your system, you know, know what your system is and are you executing your system? And I still go back to that. I'd say I would prefer systems over goals more than anything. I mean, you know, generally the direction you want to go, but that very specific goal, I want to be this by this date, I would rather have just a system that you think will get you there that you can modify if you need to, but that you can just execute over and over and over again, give you that success feel. Would you say, Wes, it would be better just to have something like, uh, I want to grow 10% a year over the next three years some, or something that this longer out there versus, you know, just like, I want to grow 10% this year. I mean, and then, and then put the system behind it, or is it better to have a system that says, Oh, I want to be at $50 million and then start put systems in place to get to $50 million. I, I think I would go with the, the latter, which is, you know, I, my ultimate goal is $50 million in sales. And what are the things what are the systems that have to be in place that will allow me to get there? Got it. I don't know if I'll get there next year or if I'll get there in 30 years because there's so many other known unknown factors right. in the economy and everything else. But if my ultimate goal is to get to this point, then all I can do is really work on my systems that drive me in that general direction. You know, we were talking, was it last week we were talking about or a couple of weeks ago we were talking about Plans are useless, but planning is everything. I think Winston Churchill said that or MacArthur or someone like that, you know, in World War II. And so 
that's really what the system thing is about it's planning, executing small, achievable steps, see if it's moving in the right direction, continue to refine that. So I want to dig into that because we've had some internal discussions here around like where to put the goalpost. I'm a big fan of like throwing it way out there, going after it. And if you only get halfway or three quarters there, like you're probably still better off than if you set it, you know, a short distance and you actually get it. But I've had some people on my team go, well, that that number or that milestone looks so far out and it kind of is debilitating or it's just intimidating. And so then it almost is like, well, are we ever going to get there? So I'm curious, Wes, what you think about that since you said, hey, throw that 50 million out there and then kind of you get there when you get there. Well, and I think, but I think you're, the folks that you're having that debate with are, I think, correct in that I think it's human nature to want to be successful. And so you have to set up goals or, or milestones or systems, probably more like that you can be successful in frequently and get lots of good positive feedback. And that will eventually, it might start to accelerate and get you to that ultimate goal. If you just say, hey, yeah, I want to be $50 million company sometime, you know, then that can be very, you know, people look at that and go, well, I don't know how that would happen. But if you can draw the path, if you can say, well, if we did this every day or every week, at some point, we will get there. When you set the goal posted, even for yearly sales goals, say, hey, we're going to be $2 million this year. And you're $1 million this year. And at the end of the year, you got to 1.5. That's a huge win, right? I mean, you know, you go, oh, that's a huge win. But it was a failure. Because you sent the goal at $2 million and you only made $1.5. So depending on how your psychological makeup is, you're going to look at that as either a success or a failure. A lot of people are going to look at that as a failure. I think if you're in a position, Spencer, you know, you're the, if, if, if someone's a business owner, you can do the rationalization of, you know, wait, 1.5 was good enough. Yeah, we wanted to get to two, but, you know, there's a lot of great things that happened for 1.5. But only the business owner gets to make that rationalization. Everybody else has to just deal with the consequences of, oh, we set the goal at two, we made 1.5. Maybe their compensation set up around that. They didn't make the two. So now they haven't made their personal financial goals if they have them. Yeah, it's just been like, oh, you know, we didn't do it. So then the whole company's kind of like, oh, we didn't make it, you know, so shorter, closer goals. I mean, you can have this big number way out in your head. You know, a lot of business owners do. You know, they have, hey, here, I want to get to there and I'll just navigate that the whole time until I get there. But you need a lot of smaller, I think, shorter term, smaller goals, because not everyone in your company is going to be with you for 30 years. You know, whatever your time horizon is, you know, for your company. That's right. That's a good point. You're like, hey, I'm here for a year. I'm here for two years. I like it while I'm doing it, but I might get married and move to somewhere else or I might, and or this is working while my kids are in school and, you know, I'm doing so. Only the business owners, you know, have that kind of long range picture, hopefully. And I think it's their job to help their team navigate that and give them smaller goals to help them work their way forward. Yeah, that's, I like that works because if you, you want the, you want the team wins and if people, if their average tenure at a company, you know, especially a young company, people are moving rapidly, you know, they might be there for two years, 
five years, but they're not there for 30. So uh, you got to set it up. So everyone's getting wins together. They feel like they're making progress together. And if, even as people, if they're just there for a year within that year, they're experiencing success or within two years, they're still experiencing success with the company and as a team and, and uh, feel like they're contributing to the proper direction. They're not going to look at it the same way that you do as a business owner. I think that's a great, a great point, which is giving the team, op, you know, they have stretch goals, but opportunities for success while they're all there together as a team. And if you think about all your employees and what they're, you know, like Wes says, what's their average tenure and, you know, how can teams have success together as people come and go? Because people, you know, one of our goals as, as a company was always, hey, we don't actually have a place for you to move up to after you do this job, but we want to ha- help you as much as we can so you're prepared to make, you know, get that promotion and move on. And we expect you to move on from here because you know, we're not going to grow big enough for you to, to get all the opportunities here. So we knew people were going to come and go. So if you can provide those successes for people so they can then take that experience and go find a new job and say, hey, look at all the success I had here at this company. And then they move on because people are going to move on. You know, and it's probably one of the least talked about things in business where everyone knows people are going to come and go, but no one really talks about, hey, Bob, you know, it's great. You're here. We're excited about you starting, you know, you know, what are you thinking for how long you'd be working here? Oh, I'll be here forever, you know. Two years later, Bob's gone. And yeah, just, life, life, life happens, you know, happens. life happens. And, and that's not a so, criticism. Yeah, it's, it's, no, nothing wrong with that. That's the way it is. You know, yeah. we've all we've all been there ourselves, you know, yeah. in different jobs. And so I think, yeah, if you're just throwing out those long-term 10-year goals and five-year stretch goals and everything, you, you don't know. A lot of people in their head could be just going, yeah, I'm not going to be here. So I'm not, so I'm not, not engaged. Yeah, is it better for your, at the board level or at the ownership level, you can have all those those longer range goals because that's where you're thinking about those kind of things, and then you distill it down into those you know smaller bite size pieces so that the team can say, yeah, well, that's what we're trying to do this year, and you know the board knows, hey, that's part of our thirty year plan, but this is year one of of thirty. Yeah, I think it's your job as a manager through the goal setting system which I'll still go back to the system setting system, <laughs> but is, you know, ultimately where you want to go for the company or your leadership team does. And then you are trying to develop systems within your company that people can measure themselves against and execute that allows them to be successful in the short term. And so if they're doing their, their job and executing properly on those systems, they should get you to your, should get you to your goals eventually or ultimately. If they're not, then it's your responsibility as the manager to go, what's wrong with my sales system or what's wrong with my accounting system or what's wrong with my customer service system or how have I set it up so it's not getting us to the goal? Because if your folks are executing on your system, and doing it properly and being successful in that, but you're not getting to your goals and it's your job to adjust that, not, not theirs. Do you think there's any value or a time to share that long range goal and, and have the short ones or? Sure. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. To say, Hey, here's, you know, this is everyone realized for the most part, you know, most businesses are owned by individuals or couples or, you know, small partnerships. And, you know, they're, they're going to have 20 people in them or 30 people in them. 
And, but the owners may have some pretty lofty goals or where they want to get to. And they can say, Hey, yeah, we want to get to 50 million. That's one of my like lifetime achievement goals here. And, but this year we're going to work on this. That's, I think nothing wrong with that. And I think on the, the converse, you know, if you're, I think it's, you need to be honest with your employees as well. It's if you're like, you know, this is our sweet spot. We're not going to grow from here, you know, or I'm going to be retiring in five. That's good for them to know because you don't want to mislead them as to what, what the ultimate goal of the company is. If you're in there, you're thinking you're going to retire in five or 10 years and you're telling everybody, Oh, we're going on for 30 years and that, that, that. well, that you're not being honest and you're, you're being disingenuous. And so I think that's not fair to the folks that are there because there are good people out there that would be very happy working for a company that it's a comfortable job. It's a successful company. It's not going to grow much bigger than it is. And that's okay because that meets everyone's goals. Then you need people in there that can support that. So you, you don't want to mislead people as to where the company's going. Or if you're a hard charging company, People need to know that too, because they're going, well, I don't know if I want to sign on for that. You know, like you think about Microsoft in the early days, the folks that went to work for Bill Gates, you know, they had to be willing to go, well, you know, he's going to work 18 hours a day. I got to be able to step up to that. And if you weren't. Same thing with Amazon. If you, you know, we're here in Seattle and, you know, anyone who goes to interview with Amazon knows it's, you know, 60 to 80 hours a week. They're paid very well, but that's, that's all you do. Yeah, and that's a good point. You just you want everyone to know whatever the situation is. Whatever and is. so so you get the right people there and maybe they stay longer because it's a better fit, but knowing that they're not going to be there for the duration of the company. Well, Brooks, you know, as we kind of wrap up this discussion on goal setting and you know, we're when this comes out, I think we'll be two weeks into the new year. Any final thoughts or advice for anybody listening on how to how to make 2021 successful in terms of Goal setting, planning, well, that sort of thing. Folks listen to this. Of course, I've accomplished all my goals for the year. <laughs> <laughs> I say, the, I, I mean, I think the thing that's worked best for, for us has been, you know, setting it on your calendar, just whatever you want to do once a month, once a week, and once a quarter, whatever you think is going to be helpful. Check back on your goals and just, hold yourself accountable to that and whether you need to get a spouse or a partner or someone to say, Hey, I want to go through these goals once a month. Will you help me do that? Get someone else. So you don't just blow it off your calendar. Um, I think that's the best thing you could do. And you'll find it's just, you'll have a much more successful year. You'll feel better about the year, feel better about your goals. I think it's the number one thing you could do. Cool. Cool. Yeah. How about you, Wes? Any final thoughts? Well, I think I first start off with some book recommendations just for fun. But I think in this area, I think picking up, if you haven't read The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, oh, it's a good one. Very quick read. You know, we've all read it. I think everyone in our family has read that book. It's really helpful. I think The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, it's also an important book because I think the more that we can routinize things in our lives that that are regular things that we need to do, the more it'll free up our time and brain energy to work on those bigger, high-level problems and issues around your company and your life. So I think the power of a habit is a good one. It also will show you how to break bad habits. I think one of the things we can always do is we can also lots of times be much more effective just by getting rid of some things that we're doing 
that are negative that really don't help us. It's not like, oh, I'm going to do all these great habits. It's like, right. well, here's some bad habits. If I just stop doing these things and replace them with a neutral habit, our life would be better and, and I'd make a lot more forward progress. And the last one is kind of a real practical book called Getting Things Done by David Allen. That was a really helpful book to me when I read it about 10 years ago because my desk always looked like a bomb blew up on it and you know all over my office and things stacked around the office and after reading that book it really allowed me to control clutter and paper and how to make sure that your top goals and things that you're trying to get accomplished stay where they need to be you don't waste a lot of time revisiting things that you don't need to revisit so i recommend that one getting things done i think i i like what brooks said i would just add to that that i think if you can create a system out of anything that will help you get to those goals faster and try to make them small, high repetition systems. And, and I think that's where the, that's where the EMS comes in. Cause it's all about systems and just, yeah. you, and so instead of everything being a crisis in, in work or life, it's like, well, you know, this seems to come up every week. I wonder what we could do about that. Yeah, Right. That's so, right. yes. So throw that on your reading list too. We've yeah. talked about before EMS by Michael Gerber. Excellent. Cool. Yeah, that's a good good reading list right there. I, I'll since we're we're all readers, I'll throw in a couple more. Atomic Habits, James oh, Clear, right. and uh, you mentioned the the Habit one by Duhigg, but yeah, and James Clear has a lot of good stuff on his website and blog about. It. You talked a lot about it today, Wes, which is just he's a big systems person, systems versus over goals. I kind of like to have both because I, I like having that, that target, but I think without the system, you know, you're never working towards anything. And then the, the four disciplines of execution one that I mentioned earlier just helps with that whole concept of the leading indicators, which is really just a system, but it's what am I going to do today or this week that I think is contributing towards the goal. And then you can just say, Hey, I did those two things this week. Great. Then you actually feel successful. You feel good about making progress. And then in a month and three months, you'll see if you're making progress, but then you can adjust and then you can, you can control that a little bit. Well, cool. Well, I think uh, with that, we'll wrap and oh, Wes, do you have one more thought? Oh, I, just, I think there's another one. Uh, Tiny Habits is another one along the same theme. If, if you're just reading a bunch of books on habits and small incremental changes, I think I, I just looked that one up. It's uh, BJ Fogg. Is mm. the, I feel like I read that one and that was also, you know, just slightly different take, but same thing. Well, this cool. is going to throw you guys for a loop. So this is a my, you know, the book I would suggest is The Book of Delights by Ross Gay. So this guy, I've never heard that. Wrote, he wrote a book. What he did is he every day he sat down and you know he's a writer obviously. So he and he write, you know, what did he find delight in today? So mm-hmm. you know, I listened to an interview with him the other day and and he was talking about it and, and he's like, you know, I had to move this tomato plant from a friend gave me a tomato plant when I was visiting him and I had to do this tomato plant. We had to fly somewhere else. He's like, how am I going to get the tomato plant? And, you know, the delight he got out of carrying this tomato plant through the airport and people's reaction to it. You're like, well, this is a pain in the ass. You know, I got to carry this tomato plant, you know, and, and just the experience and just, it was really uh, fun to listen to and just listen to, you know, that's pretty cool. Every day, he would write about, and then you know, he took all 52, all 365 days. And I don't know if they all made it into the books. I haven't read the book. I just listened to the interview, but it was just a, it was just a 
delightful interview because you're just like, oh, book of delights. And be another, you know, another good thing to read along with all this other stuff you're, you know, grinding through as a business owner is like, oh, look at this, because there's a lot of Lotus's name again, Brooks. I pulled up the Book of Delights by Ross Gay, G-A-Y. I'm going to see if they have it on Audible because the guy's just got a great voice. I'm hoping he narrated it because <laughs> super cool. So that's kind of a fun one when you're you're a little tired, you're driving home from work, and you're like, Whew, if I have to think about one more tiny habit. I'm going to you know, drive off the road. <laughs> well, that was perfect. You you brought us full circle there. We started with gratitude. We'll end in delight. So we'll, we'll tie this up with a bow. But uh, thanks, guys. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Hopefully, you're on your way to working towards those 2021 goals. And as always, we'll see you next week here on Building a Family Business on Builder Funnel Radio. Mm-hmm.